It was her birthday, and they were almost ready to go out. All of their friends were waiting for them in the restaurant, and he just stops and sits down on his old couch. Her mouth twists. One of her hands finds the door frame. A long silence plays out. They rarely fight, and if they do, it is in low voices over the phone. It all happens from a distance. But on today, of all days, he understands it is finally over. The years of chasing and avoiding, the stretches of time apart, and then those sweet, quiet mornings waking up together again. It was all slipping through their fingers. It was swirling down the drain. She was wearing a blue dress on their first date. Another life, and no longer this one. I'm Marco. And this is Songbird. Breakups. We've all had them. And they can be quite different from that calm little breakup scene we started with. I'm just going to put this out there. I went through a brutal, brutal divorce in a foreign country. And I think I'm in very good company. I don't think that's anything special that happened to me. Knives were thrown at me, glasses were crashing against walls, plates were flying all over the place. There were nights when I screamed so much that I, my voice was just completely gone, and I have no idea why the neighbors did not call the police. So this leads us all to the fourth track on Heaven Get Behind Me, California Divorce. I wonder how many divorce or breakup songs there are. And then there's just the albums you listen to after you have a breakup. And maybe they don't have a direct connection to it. We all have that album that we just listen to over and over. I just think about that first Beth Orton album, Trailer Park. I had just broken up with someone I'd been involved with in such complicated ways for about seven years. Not too long ago, I tried to play that album for my daughter Eve. And I played five seconds of the first track, and I was just right back in the East Village that summer, and I kind of couldn't listen to it, actually. I wore that one out. We make the connection. And I think that's part of what got this song started. I was in standard tuning, and I had this sweet, sweet C major to a G major. And I mean, this was so sweet sounding to me. It's like you'd get a toothache from it. I actually had the capo on the seventh fret, and in a little bit we'll explain that more. And you know when you're just having an insanely shitty life moment, and things go a little bit into slow motion, and you step outside of yourself, or you just kind of see yourself saying and doing these things, this is your most flawed, your most unbalanced version of yourself that you are right up against. And What is the music rolling around in your head in that moment? I think it could be something very ironic 
like when you go whistling past the graveyard. And that is the perfect storm that got me to this song. I had these homeless lyrics, I'll call them, or old lyrics. They were about half of the verse and about half of the chorus. And they'd just been around for a very, very long time. It was originally called Goldfish. It was very minor sounding. There's no way I'm going to play that for you. So they were old lyrics. (laughs) This song is clearly about an end of a relationship. And obviously, you don't need to be married to get a divorce. And it's also about the loss of a child. And that actually became a theme in this album. I'll say that sometimes it is literally the loss of a child. And I've witnessed this in real life. I know far too many people who have gone through that. In this song, I'm going to let you decide what the loss of the child is. I'll just put this out there. What if the loss of a child is you understand you are losing the child you would have made together? You know, in a relationship, when you're having that little pillow talk and you're agreeing on if we have a boy, we'll name him this. And if we have a girl, we'll name it that. I mean, that's living in the future. And as tantalizing as that is, it's a great way to keep from living in the present. There's trauma at the center of this song, no matter how you look at it. It's either a metaphorical or literal loss of a child. And just in case you don't know, in California, it's really easy to get a divorce. You can actually get a divorce online. So if someone sings in a song, ain't gonna be no California divorce, it's just a person saying, this is gonna be ugly. Let me do a little aside here, because I really want to recognize the person who turned me on to this very specific fingering of this C and this G chord. His name is Jonathan Kehu. You can find him on YouTube. Just write Song Bike. Uh, Of course, I'll put this in the show notes. I love all his videos. But he has this one video that has more than 10 million views. It's called the DCG Trick. And there's just something about the voicing of those chords that is not a traditional C, that's not a traditional G, that also just made the sound so special to me. So I could not demo this on my old parlor guitar because the the strings, or as we call it, the action is very high on it. If you put a capo on the seventh fret on that guitar, it's sort of a, a bit of a mess. There's nothing pretty about that sound. It's beyond its capabilities. So... Sometimes you have to abandon the romantic plan of the old guitar and go for more practical solution. This is actually one of the great reasons I had to get a Waterloo, because the Waterloo, its guts and its shape and its size are so close to my old, old, old guitar, but it's new and it's made well. (laughs) So you can put a capo on the seventh fret and make beautiful sounds. Uh, It also has something called a truss rod in it, which keeps the neck straight, which is actually very important for acoustic guitars because after they get exposed to heat and cold and weather, then the neck can warp and then you get all kinds of buzzes and ugly sounds from the strings that of course you don't want. So Waterloo, made in Austin, Texas, by some very nice people, was the instrument of choice. It was the sharpest knife in the drawer. And I took it out on this one. And I'm really glad I did. So I've got this beautiful C and G that I'm in love with. Thank you, Jonathan Kehu. 
And I put the capo on the third fret and I'm singing and just trying to find where the comfort is. And then I'm putting the capo on the fifth fret and seeing if my voice feels more comfortable. And then for some, I don't know, this is the thing. When you are a naive person, you do things that a very, very experienced person would never do. I did something completely bizarre. I put the capo on the seventh fret. And for you non-music people, the seventh fret is an octave from the open with no capo on the guitar. So if the open is ah, and then the seventh fret is ah, it's the same freaking note is the point. So I just kept going and suddenly I'm on the seventh fret and I said, oh my gosh, it sounds like angel harps. It's just got this chiming. I love this sound. It sounds completely different if I played the exact same chords in the open position. I hope this all makes sense because I did something no serious player would ever do. And that is, I think, the signature sound of this song. You know, let's just listen to the demo. In came a goldfish In the black, black mud You're standing in the doorway Your blue dress Ain't gonna be no California divorce I had a child I had a son This demo just kind of came right out of the freaking gate. I mean, first of all, it's not slow. I mean, hallelujah. I just felt like this was firing on all cylinders. Ironically, I only had the lyrics for the first verse, so I just repeated them for the second verse. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you gotta write a second verse. So on Sundays, I had a habit of making a playlist for all the demos that I felt good about. And I would go on a trolley bus and listened to it. And it was sort of a tradition I made with myself. And when I came home, I made notes and I said, you know, that song's just not working. Or what if we put that song before that song? Does something different happen? Or, oh my God, these two songs sound exactly the same. One of them's got to go. Simultaneously, I'm also thinking about how I'm going to produce these songs. And this one, I just knew I just wanted oceans of horns on it. I began playing saxophone when I was seven years old. It was mostly just, you know, for girls to think I was cool. But eventually I really got into it and 
I played in a bunch of bands when I was a teenager with these guys who were in their 20s. I was like the 16-year-old kid at a, in a sorority or in a bar, <laughs> five years under the drinking age, laughing my ass off, you know, sucking down crappy beers and playing Clash covers and REM covers and English beat covers and learning a hell of a lot, actually. This was a horn opportunity. And I wanted to have oceans of horns. I wanted like thick cream cheese on a fresh bagel, just swats, just sloppy, greasy, you know, layer upon layer. I think I actually did six tracks of horns and one of them was much more in the forefront. And then I ended up doing this Wurlitzer that has a very dirty sound to it. That's a sample that seemed to just balance and work with everything else. So I've got such a simple song here. It's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and it was short and it was fast. And then I saw this opportunity to do this sort of open, kind of unexpected instrumental ending. I guess you could call it a coda, or you could just call it another verse. So there's plenty of call and response in all of my songs so far. But this was like the long horn response that's extreme and extended. The singing is really restrained. It's really hushed. And the horn, I mean, this is what horns do. They wail. I guess you could arguably say that's the wail of the baby. That's the wail of your heart when it's breaking. I thought that was a pretty unexpected thing to do. So you gotta zig when everyone thinks you're gonna zag. Otherwise you get really predictable. So that second verse that I really needed to write, well, of course, I completely screwed myself. It was literally the day I had the chance to record this song, but I still didn't have those second verse lyrics. And I kind of went to some of the go-to, well, that's always a good idea, solutions. So be specific. If there's a hearse, who's driving it? Thank you, Google. I found a really interesting funeral director, hearse driver, and there really is a guy named Tiny Lazarus. You can't make up a name like that. I mean, it has to be a real name. Sometimes it's really good to do things quickly. And that's how I got to... There go Tiny Lazarus in a black, black hearse way past the freeway just shovels and dirt. I did run into something that happened quite a few times in the album where you might argue that the demo performance sounds better than the final. And this is something a hell of a lot of people run into because when you're recording the demo, the song is fresh, newborn. You might have written it 10 minutes ago. You are just so in love with this song. It's puppy love. So, of course, the performance you're going to give comes from such a peaceful, content, confident, joyous place. And when you actually, God forbid, go to a studio and paying by the hour, the stress and the tension is already there. The expectations are there. I mean, you got to deliver. Go, go, go. What if you're in a studio and people behind the glass are... You don't know them, and they're strangers, and they're picking their nose, or whatever they're doing. I mean, this is all distractions. And I'd have to say, this is one of the biggest reasons I think I needed to record at home. I think the demo on this song, forgetting that there's no second verse lyrics, I'm the opposite of embarrassed of it. The final result 
I almost thought it was going to be the single. I just really thought it was, you know, a cannonball coming at you. And the result is a little gentle. And I think this was one of the greatest lessons I learned is this was a tough one. All right, let's listen to the final track. In came the goldfish The black, black mud You're standing in the doorway Your blue dress Ain't gonna be no California divorce When you go through a divorce, a part of you dies. It's a stone that you carry around with you. And there's these moments when we understand that we're caught up in something that just needs to unravel. And 
there's a sort of peace in that realization. And I want to think that that is the sound of this song. I want to think that it's a, hey, let's go out gracefully. And the house is on fire. So just walk out in the street and and walk down the road and and just keep going until your feet do what you want them to do again. You lose a lot more than money and a home. Here's the fancy part at the end where I tell you where to find us. We are on every single podcasting platform at this point. Or you can just go to songbirdpodcast.com. That's the only place where the show notes are. And by the way, Heaven Get Behind Me is available wherever you like to buy your music. We love for you to buy it on Bandcamp. But if you want to buy it on Amazon or iTunes, yeah, it's there too. And it's streaming in all of the obvious places. All you have to do is search for Martin Ruby, that's the band name, or Heaven Get Behind Me, and you'll find us. I'm raising my glass all the way here in Moscow to Bunky Hunt, Whistle Pig Records, my new home, a perfect corner of the universe. Next time on Songbird, a French escape film an axe, and a mysterious letter. Thanks for listening.